The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks so much for joining us again here on Winning Ponies. Glad you're listening live. And if you can't, I hope you're pulling down the podcast. If you enjoyed tonight's show, and I know you will, you're going to want to tell your friends that they missed something, but they didn't because they can get it on podcast. Well, this is a very, very exciting time of the year. As you know, coming up this weekend is what I have always called and my family a holy race of obligation, and that would be the Travers Stakes. Right now, it's the 148th running of the Travers uh, presented by Naira Betts, and what a field it has drawn together. Something that hasn't happened since 1982. Separate winners of all three Triple Crown races will be in the field. It looks like we've got a field of 12. Of course, the horses I'm talking about are always dreaming through the seven hole it was just a game uh, third in the uh, Jim Dandy so he had a tight trip over the track also in the race of the two horses that finished in front of him the Jim Dandy Good Samaritan and Giuseppe also we have of course Cloud Computing winner of the Preakness Stakes who came back and ran fifth in the Jim Dandy and Taprit who won the Belmont Stakes, this will be his return to racing. So this will be very, very interesting to look at this race and all the other great races on the Saratoga card. It's just unbelievable. Uh, Starting with the 6th, the grade one personal ensign, 700,000. They said she wouldn't be back at Saratoga this year. Songbird is going to head up the field. The multiple champion deciding to come back to Saratoga. That that race at Delaware didn't make her tired. It just made her tighter. Then in the seventh race, it's the grade one ballerina. Can't wait to talk to my friend Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Form about this race. He's going to be our guest handicapper. The odds makers had a hard time separating this field. Karina Mia, the favorite, is seven to two, and everybody else is a single-digit odds except for Bird at the Wire, who's still only ten to one. Then you go on to the eighth race. It's the Alan Jerkins Grade One, half a million dollars, American Anthem, and Mike Smith in from the West Coast. The ninth race is the grade one for go, 600,000 on the line there. Mind your biscuits, the slight favorite. Then you've got the grade one sword dancer. Now, there's a big-time European horse in there, Erupt, but I got a feeling he can be beaten here. It'll be interesting to see uh, who Dan likes. Uh, The horse was solid last year. I believe he won the Canadian International. Um... But hasn't done much this year, only two starts and uh, no wins. Then the 11th, of course, we're going to move on to the Travers. We'll be talking a lot about that race. And then, surprisingly, there's a grade two after the Travers, and uh, that will be the Boston Spa. And surprise, surprise, look who showed up in there, Lady Eli. I'm sure a lot of guys weren't happy when they – 
picked up their overnight and saw that uh, Chad Brown had decided to send Lady Eli to post at Saratoga after all, and so uh, she'll be in there. So with that stage set, Dan Illman will be our guest handicapper. Of course, Dan got his finger on the pulse of New York racing. But our uh, first guest is somebody you see on national TV a lot. Though You never see her walking around. You usually see her on horseback. And that's Donna Barton Brothers, uh, the retired jockey who now does national television coverage. Uh, also has done work with TVG and ESPN. And uh, so we'll be talking to her uh, not only about her role in the saddle at some of the big races, uh, but on her new work uh, at uh, Starlight Stables. Uh, she's uh, a big part of her efforts has been uh, putting together the Star Ladies, uh, talking about uh, a partnership that they're putting together. And it's an all-female partnership started by Lori Wolf, who's married to Jack, and uh, Barbara Lucciarelli. And uh, Starlight Racing is uh, starting off Star Ladies Racing. Of course, I want to ask Donna how things are going with her book, uh, The Inside Track, The Insider's Guide to Horse Racing, and a few other questions about growing up in a racing family. So uh, it'll be fun having Donna and Dan on. Well, with all the big races that I just mentioned, you know what you're going to need. You're going to need help, and you're going to get it with the easy win forms uh, here at Winning Ponies. Easy to get, winningponies.com. Of course, had another big week. When don't we? Pretty much from coast to coast. How about Delmar? Three strikes. Uh, on the 16th, a $1 Super 5 box paid 2456 The following day, a $1 Super Key that paid 2373 And two days after that, a $1 Super that paid $2,335. So uh, uh, enough said. You can go up there. You can see the testimonials. You can see all the results from last week. The easy win forms. They're going to complement your handicapping, whichever style you use, but it's definitely something you want to have to pull down some of the big number winners. Okay, well, as we talked last week to Jeremy Balin about the $1 million TVG Pacific Classic, there were questions to be answered, and quite frankly, they weren't all answered. One that was is that Bob Baffert's other horse, collected is the real deal now this is a four-year-old colt by city zip martin garcia was in the saddle uh, this is the horse that just really exploded in the grade three precisionist by 14 lengths um and uh what can i say got the job done in the pacific classic uh the horse uh, came back and lasted now uh, he did say after that race, I believe he go mile and a quarter, but I don't think Mr. Baffert wants me to hear that. So, uh, uh, Collected was in third throughout most of the race. Accelerate uh, uh, was uh, right up in there. And uh, Collected put away Accelerate at the top of the lane. But Arrogate, who, you know, a appeared all in under Jackie Mike Smith, that he kicked in late. He had done plenty in the past, and all of a sudden it looked about the 16th pole like he was really going to get there. But Martin Garcia was able to keep collected together and got the job done. Still, it was a huge race uh, for uh, for Arrogate. And uh, I'll talk to Dan Elman a little bit about his impressions, too. Um, 
you know, most of the people thought, hey, let's just put a line through the San Diego handicap and, and move forward. But anyhow, what can I say? Bob Baffert, you're not supposed to have a favorite son, but they did ask him after the race whether he felt Arrogate was still the best horse in the world, and he didn't hesitate. I still think he is. I was really proud of Arrogate. At the end, he was laying it down, and he really was laying it down, but uh, hopefully he's just going to move forward off that, so uh, he's going to have a stuffed uh, gate in the the Breeders' Cup Classic if things keep uh, going that way. Uh, It looks like Arrogate's probably going to train up to the Breeders' Cup, while uh, Baffert is probably going to look for another race. for collected prior to the Breeders' Cup. Now, as I already told you, some of the horses that are going to be in in the Travers, one that wasn't confirmed until earlier this week was Cloud Computing. So uh, the son of McLean's music breezed uh, twice on Saratoga's main track since his last race, um, August 19th. And then uh, he came back. Also, uh, Chad confirmed that Javier Castellano is going to ride. Now, Castellano uh, won this race for a record fifth time when Keen Ice upset Triple Crown champion American Pharaoh. Uh, he also won with Bernardini, a Fleet Express, Stay Thirsty, and VE Day. That's pretty amazing. So, uh, you know, with, uh, with Taprit in there now, it's the first time that the three individual winners of the three Triple Crown races will meet in the Travers. Again, goes back to 82 and it was runaway groom. Who? That's what everybody was saying. Because in the field was Derby winner Gato del Sol, Preakness winner Loma's Ruler, and Belmont winner Conquistador Cielo. So we're uh, gonna just gonna have a great field. I won't go down that road again. We'll wait till we get uh, uh, Dan on. And uh, another horse up probably will end up in the Breeders' Cup for Belmont is Cupid. But somebody will say, where he's been? Well, he went into a little $81,000 stakes out of Del Mar, the Harry Brubaker. Uh, he did fight illness earlier this summer, which is why he's been on the shelf. But uh, he came right back in the style that says he's ready for the Breeders' Cup Classic. So Baffert said, I want to fill the gate as much as I can. So it uh, looks like Cupid's probably going to have another race. He's going to start probably the awesome again at Santa Anita uh, prior to uh, the, the Classic. All right, let's take a look at some of the races we covered last week. Of course, went down to the pea patch with my buddy Jimmy McNerney, track announcer and handicapper, and uh, some mild upsets in here one that wasn't so mild was the ellis park debutante it was kelly's humor now this is a brad cox trainee that went wire to wire sean bridgemahan picked up the mount it was even money its first race came back had a really solid work a week before the race kelly's humor gets up to win with sean bridgemahan paying 24 dollars and 40 cents in the second spot was upset brewing who led by two in the stretch but got caught one of the favorites and uh in the, in the third spot, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, was Sunny Skies, who was considered one of the favorites. So that was the uh, Ellis Park debutante. And then the boys' version, the Ellis Park Juvenile. Uh, something interesting happened in here. Well, the, the, the winner was Dak Attack. Remember, we talked about Robbie Elberato coming off 10 City, who was the favorite, uh, to ride Dak Attack because uh, it's, uh, you know, from the Dale Romans barn. And uh, Dak Attack was well-placed, was 7th, 4th, 2nd, boom, 1 by 3. Now, 10 City, the horse that uh, Kenny McPeak once said was the fastest horse he ever had, 
went off at four to five, but what they found out is right at the shot uh, start, he threw a shoe. So obviously that can easily set a horse's good stride off. So 10 City uh, had an excuse in there. Second was Northern Trail, who bobbled at the start, bumped at the half. And guess who trains that horse? Jack Van Berg. This is another horse. This horse led into the stretch but got caught. Jack Van Berg right now is the third leading trainer at Ellis Park. Well, we ran down uh, uh, the the Pacific Classic. Of course, it was uh, uh, collected Arrogate. I missed the third horse. It was Accelerate, who, who held on in that race. Then also out at Del Mar, the Del Mar Oaks. This was a great, great race. A three-horse photo at 6-1. to one, Julian Le Peru scores with Dream Dancing. So uh, Dream Dancing at 6-1 to one takes the Del Mar Oaks. Uh, in the second spot was Bo Recall. And also in the second spot, I believe it was a dead heat, was uh, Madam Dancelot, the Irish bred. That was the Oaks. And uh, let's cover two more before we have to go to break. Uh, the running of the uh, Del Mar Handicap. It was the Irish bred Hunt, who was considered one of the favorites. He's Irish bred, but he's been racing in the United States. Flavian Prop was in the saddle. In the uh, second spot was. Uh, it's in the post, who was the 5-2 to two tepid favorite. And in the third position, Flamboyant, a French bred who's also been racing in North America. And then in a great redeemable race, we went to Alabama, the grade one race, 600,000. And the winner was Elate. Do you remember the Coaching Club American Oaks when Abel Tasman and Mike Smith came in a little tight, Mike just called it race riding. A lot of people think that it cost Elate the race. Well, Elate was led away at 4-1, to one, paid $10.60, a really strong final furlong. And then in was uh, It Tis Well was in the second spot at 13-1. to one. And in the third spot was Salty, who was third in the coaching club American Oaks. So that's a look at the races uh, that were the best ones in North America last year and the ones we featured here on Winning Ponies. Well, as I told you at the uh, top of the show, we're lucky enough to get Donna Barton Brothers back with us. I think she found a hiding place in her her hotel. She's uh, very much in demand for the social scene there, but she's doing her homework on the Travers. So we're going to ask her about that. We're going to ask her about her book. We're going to ask her about the pony she's riding. You name it. Donna Barton Brothers up next. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Donna Barton Brothers. Like I said, you you don't see her walking around much on television. You usually see her up on horseback interviewing somebody that just won a huge race. Uh, I got to watch Donna when she was uh, in her early days riding. She's from a, a family of riders. And I believe the last time I had you on, Donna, was after you had uh, penned uh, Inside Track, the Insider's Guide to Horse Racing. Gosh, John, what took you so long to get me back on? <laughs> You're too much of a socialite. I can't grab you. Well, I just wanted to know, for, for people that weren't listening back then, I know it's been a while, um, can, you, can you kind of give me the Cliff Notes version of the Insider's Guide to Horse Racing? Because quite frankly, in college and high school, I never really read a book. I just got the Cliff Notes. So uh, <laughs> it, it, it'll be common to me to, to, to hear the abbreviated version. But I mean, is it about your life, your times, about how to approach racing? Uh, what are we going to find in that book? Well, when I started working for NBC Sports, John, I realized that we really needed a beginner's guide to horse racing, and there wasn't one out there. And then after a couple of years of feeling like that, I thought, well, I guess nobody's going to write this book. So I had to write it. And I wrote it to be very user-friendly so that each chapter is a standalone chapter. So if you would like to know more about where jockeys come from and, and who are those little women and men then read that chapter. But if you already know that or don't care about that, skip that chapter because it doesn't have any relevance on the other chapters. And so the standalone chapters are things like um, how to play the races, how to pick a horse, uh, what to wear to the races, um, a lot of the, where do trainers come from, how do you train a horse. Um, And then also some uh, people from, you know, the past of historical significance, names you need to know and why, like, Secretariat, of course, um, all the Triple Crown winners. And um, there's also a good reference guide at the back if you love what you've read so far and you'd like to learn even more for other books that I felt like were really beneficial to, to people wanting to learn. And really, it just comes down to, John, a guy like you goes to the track and takes somebody to the races with him for the first time, and you spend your whole day answering questions that they would have had answers if they had that book in their hand. You could have just said, read the book. Like, I want to handicap my race. You read yeah. the book. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Well, uh, you know, I, I I think you can always learn something every day at the races. I've been going since I was a young lad up there at the spa myself, uh, running around with my brother who, who worked there. But, uh, you know, 
there's always been a learning curve. And with technology, we've got more and more information at, at our fingertips. So, uh, you know, it, it's a great game. And I think that's what we got to do to get the millennials involved is tell them, hey, there's different places you can go to kind of pull down information right away and get this stuff and utilize it and come on out and make some bets. Because let's face it, there's too many guys that look like me and, and not enough college kids going to the races now. Hey, there's nothing wrong with the way you look, John. I like the way you look. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. Uh, we're, there's, there's getting to be fewer of us. Well, Donna, are you going to be working for NBC Sports on the weekend? Yeah, we're covering the Travers. We've got the Sword Dancer and the Travers on our uh, – we'll be on for an hour and a half, um, 4.30 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, so we've got a nice window to cover some good racing. Oh, my gosh, I was listening to you earlier. What an amazing card. We're not going to bring it all to you, but the races that we do bring to you, we'll, we'll put in a lot of stretch runs from the earlier races on the card. Uh-huh. So I'm looking at our format right here. So if you miss some of the races earlier, um, I can tell you that, you know, you're going to have a chance to see, I'm looking at the format, a stretch run of the ballerina, a stretch run of the Allen Jerkins, a stretch run of the Forgo. So the, uh, the personal engine. So we'll have a lot of stretch runs. If for some reason you miss the uh, races earlier and you can only catch the 4:30 to 6 PM window on NBC. All right. Now, I know you are an extremely experienced rider, but there's a question I want to ask you that some people might be wondering. We see you from coast to coast and in the Midwest and at every place. You don't you don't drive your own trailer and bring your own pony. How do you select the pony you're going to ride for NBC Sports? Well, NBC gives me an allowance, so I get to essentially rent a horse everywhere I go, which helps a lot because you know, I've got a lot of friends at the racetrack, but you can wear friendships then pretty quickly if you keep coming back asking for a horse to ride and you're not, uh, you know, supplementing them. Because you definitely put the barn help out. Uh, maybe it's a stable pony that wouldn't be used that afternoon, but the groom might have no other horses racing and they have to get that horse ready. And so it's just enough money to compensate them for their trouble that they have to go to. And I think, you know, there's some people who like to see their horse on TV. They like to have the TV horse. Um, I don't know if that's the case with the horse I ride up here in New York. Abby Adsett is a trainer in New York. She used to be Linda Rice's assistant. And um, she's been out on her own for about four years. But her pony's name is Tucker. And I've been riding him in New York for about, oh, six years now for all the, the races I cover in New York. And he's lovely. And then oftentimes on the West Coast, I ride one of Baffert's ponies because he usually has a pretty high-priced pony that maybe costs more than a lot of the thoroughbreds on the track that day. <laughs> so well, uh, I'll, I'll usually have something out there of, of bobs to ride. Real quick, as experienced of a horsewoman as you are, did you ever get one that uh, threw you a curve or maybe was it the most uh, you know, uh, understanding horse of what his role was that day? I did, but luckily I rode him the day before in, in um, kind of rehearsal. We can't rehearse interviews, but we go out and test our positions on the horse and make sure all the equipment's working. And this was up in um, Maryland at, at um, Pimlico. So I got this horse from one of the pony girls, and when I went to get on him, he was acting so badly that I asked the person to turn him loose because I was afraid he was going to flip, and I just wanted to get on him on my own without anybody holding him. So I got on him, and I said, okay, where is, I'll leave her name out. And they told me, oh, she's over there. So I went over, and I said, this horse is crazy. Like, he's not going <laughs> to work at all. And she said, oh, well, I'll have to get one of my other ponies then. And, and um, that's 
going to leave me a pony short. And I said, well, why don't you let one of your other pony girls ride this horse if he's that good? And she said, oh, no, no. None of my other riders are experienced enough to ride him. <laughs> I was like, hey, thank you. <laughs> I, need, I need a horse that's bomb proof for this job. I've already proven that I can ride. I don't need to prove that on Saturday. So <laughs> after that, we had a clear understanding of what kind of horse I needed. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there's so much ground to cover with you, um, and, and you've had so many different roles in racing. Now, segue into your position uh, at, at Starlight Stables. Well, my husband buys the horses, um, or I shouldn't say buys them. He's part of the team that buys the horses for Starlight Racing and Star Ladies. Um, Jack Wolf and Donnie Lucarelli reached out to my husband, Frank Brothers, after he retired from training horses in 2009 and said, would you be interested in buying our horses? Um, obviously, he had had a long record of success having done that with horses he trained, like Hansel and Arch, um, First Samurai, Madcap Escapade. So... In any event, Frankie had already been working for Starlight Racing for a couple of years when their kind of racing manager, Jane Buchanan, took a job with Graham Motion. Uh, She was good friends with Graham and Anita Motion, and they needed her expertise. And so Jack asked me then if I was interested, and my answer was no, and I said no repeatedly for the next couple of years. But then we finally discussed really what needed to be done and what didn't need to be done. I had no interest in being racing manager because it's a time-consuming job. But I was interested in client development, um, reaching out to, I'm sorry, partnership development, client relations, and then also just overseeing social media, any kind of marketing things that we might do, any kind of um, partnerships that we do with nonprofits. And so that's what I do with Starlight and Star Ladies Racing particularly the partnership development and client relations. All right. I want to pick your brain. I'm being told I've only got four minutes, but let's at least spend maybe two of the minutes on uh, Star Ladies Racing. This is kind of a new concept. Yeah. um, You know, Jack and Donnie Lucarelli were the kind of co-founders. Actually, it was uh, Jack and Lori Wolf who founded Starlight Stables back in 2001, but then Lucarelli came in in 2004 and it changed to Starlight Racing. And then their wives, Lori and Barbara Lucarelli, both thought, wouldn't it be fun to have a racing partnership that is just women, like some of our friends or some other women who we don't know, and just have some fillies and, you know, just a way to be involved at hopefully a high level and spread the risk among a few women. And so they started it in 2013, and it's really done well. Asking for Money has been really our flag bearer. She was in that first crop in 2013. She's in the personal instance stakes on Saturday, and she's, uh, she's been really a wonderful filly for the partnership, and the women have all had a great time. Uh, it, pretty much every woman who started in it renewed for the next year, and then we've had a couple more sign on. All right. Let's say uh, I've got a friend that, that's interested. How does she get a hold of you? Well, you can go to starlightracing.com, and you can learn a lot about both Starlight Racing and Star Ladies Racing there. You can learn about our team. You can learn about how our partnerships work. As you know, John, they're a little different. We don't sell a piece of a horse. We sell a percentage of each year's full crop. And um, so you can go to the website, starlightracing.com, and and a lot of your questions will be answered. But then my contact information is there, and if you have more questions, I'm the person to reach out to. 
Very good. Well, people like that personal touch. I think you get more business done that way. Speaking of business, you're, you're going to be on NBC Sports over the weekend. I know that you like to do your homework. You're not going to come into an interview cold. So I'm sure you've uh, you, you've taken a good look at the Traverse Stakes. It is an amazing puzzle to me. Uh, and I'm sure the, the person that had to do make the morning line was just as confused. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a dartboard. You already mentioned that in 1982, the three um, different winners from the Triple Crown races came back, and none of them even won the race. But it also happened one other time in 1918, and it was the same outcome when Exterminator, War Cloud, and then Joran, who won the Belmont Stakes, all met in the Travers, and the race was won by a horse named Sun Briar. And so I think really what that speaks to, John, is that. When you have a triple crown season where you have three different winners, you have a wide open field crop. Now, whether or not that means they're subpar or above par, we won't know until they stand at stud. But we do know that this is definitely a competitive crop with each other. And, uh, you know, the horse that sticks out to me a bit is West Coast. Uh, he fits the same profile as um, Arrogate. He did not race as a two-year-old. He skipped the triple crown races. He's coming from... California, Bob Baffert trains, Mike Smith rides, and he's actually coming in here on a little bit of a, a streak with three wins in a row. So, and he's kind of a horse to me that I think has a chance to to really beat all three of the the Triple Crown winners, but also the outside horse Fayek of Karen McLaughlin's. He's he's never run in a stakes race, but he's a half brother to Rachel Alexandra. He's won his last two races, and when he won those races, he was racing against three year olds and up. So. They weren't just straight three-year-olds. So he's also an interesting horse to me. Well, uh, what did you think about the uh, role reversal um, for uh, Good Samaritan coming off the grass and all of a sudden jumping up for Windstar like that? (laughs) Well, it reminded me of Mike Smith's line about Cigar. You know, he used to ride Cigar when he was racing on the grass. And Mike Smith's line was that, he rode cigar when he was a cigarette on the turf, and then he put him on the dirt, and he turned into a big old cigar. And Good Samaritan might be that kind of horse. We know he's a good horse on the grass, but if he could win the Traverse Stakes, we're going to find out that he's also a great horse on the dirt. But I, I think that race was a little bit of a fluke. I actually went back and watched the replay of it today. And even though the fractions weren't fast, they were 24 and change, 48 and change, it, there still was a pace collapse a bit because the track, as Todd Pletcher said, was a demanding track that, that couple weeks. Um, in his quotes, he said that the mile and an eighth races have sped up by a full second in the last week compared to how they were at that stage of the meet. So I think there was just a pace collapse that happened, and Good Samaritan benefited from it, and I don't think we're going to see that same scenario. Um, I, I don't think he's the next coming. If he is, he's going to have to prove it to me. All right. Well, we've been uh, blessed to uh, get Donna Barton Brothers on the program. Uh, she's just stocked full of information. Don't forget, I'm sure you can go on Amazon, have no problem pulling down her inside track, The Insider's Guide to Horse Racing. And as you heard, it's kind of a neat book that you kind of peck and choose like a buffet line uh, what it is you want to concentrate on and still get through the book so uh, Donna thanks a million Uh, we'll be looking for you on NBC Sports over the weekend and I hope you have a great time up there at Saratoga thanks John it's always good to talk to you have a good show all right I'll see you at Keeneland next take care sounds good bye
All right, we've been talking with Donna Barton Brothers. She kind of gave us her look at the Midsummer Derby. And in just a minute or two, we're going to tab Dan Illman with that task and one of the toughest handicapping races I've seen all year long. Let's take a quick break. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Dan Illman, who is no stranger to the show, unless you're tuning in for the first time. I'm blessed that uh, he, he returns my calls, and if he's available, uh, he's there. Of course, uh, if, if you go online uh, to drf.com, He's probably the most uh, uh, displayed presence on there most of the time. Of course, then he pitches it off to other people, and there's a lot of different segments with Matt Bernier and uh, different guest handicappers uh, that they're bringing in. Of course, if you go back, he worked as a racing writer, an analyst, and a handicapper for Sports Eye. And uh, now, of course, another one of his things is spa babies that he has to do a lot of research in. And uh, Dan, when do you sleep? I never do during Saratoga, especially. Uh, they, they keep me locked in the office pretty much. They give me a hammock in the uh, in the uh, in the kitchen area, which allows me to sleep once in a while. I get a couple hours. That's nice. I hope they throw you a deli sandwich every now and then just to you know, keep you fueled up. But you, you, do, you do a fantastic job, and you are all over the place. want to thank you again for you, the winner you gave out in the John's Call. Cash a little bet on that one yesterday, even though uh, you went out on a limb with Brian Lynch, who was, I believe, 0 for 20 going into that race. I guess pace makes the race. I mean, that horse, if you had watched his most recent star, was sort of wrangled off the pace when he made the lead. And you had a feeling with the jockey switch this time around he was going to go. I just wish he paid a little bit better. But that horse was allowed to steal away to the lead. Uh, We got him home. Let's throw him out next time. 
hey, if you saw 580 on the ground, would you bend over and pick it up? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Still green. Absolutely. I love it. Well, listen, before we get on to this you know, plethora of great races, I just got to get Dan Elman's view in a whole other part of the country, uh, the, the Pacific Classic and how that was run and what your afterthoughts are. Um, Arrogate, I don't think, likes the Del Mar course. Uh, he just doesn't seem like the same horse. He runs in spots. Um, it was funny that after the race, in the immediate aftermath of the race, before the buyer's speed figure, which is pretty impressive in its own right, I believe it was a 114 for Arrogate, came out. Boy, the fans were saying he's finished. It's over on Twitter and social media. And I was thinking, well, he's still one of the top three handicap horses in the country. Um, maybe he's declined a little bit, but how can you dismiss him in a race like the Breeders' Cup Classic, whether he likes the track or not. He's a pretty good horse if he runs 114 on a track he might not like. Uh, I think that Collected, though, is a nice little horse. And Baffert made a good point after the race. He said, you can't make a mistake with a horse like Collected and expect to beat him. And Arrogate at Del Mar right now is making mistakes in that he's just running in spots and seems a little bit lazy at times. Well, I'm sure this is the one year that Baffert wishes the, the, the races were someplace other than Del Mar on Breeders' Cup Day. But I just wanted to get your snapshot there. Well, uh, we're going to try to get as many races in as we can in this segment. But uh, right now I have to go to that Midsummer Derby and reflect on 1982 uh, when, when we had the uh, three triple crown horses in there. Because as a young man with a camera, I was down at the quarter pole and I couldn't wait to take a picture of one of the triple crown winners. And there was runaway groom going by my camera <laughs> down through the lane. And quite frankly, as spread out as this year's uh, three-year-olds have been, that came can easily happen on Saturday. Well, you can argue that the three-year-old championship is on the line right now, always dreaming the divisional leader after winning the Derby. And, of course, he was disappointing in the Preakness. And in the Jim Dandy, Cloud Computing might have asserted command by beating always dreaming in the Preakness, but his Jim Dandy run didn't help his chances. And we've got Taprit, who won the Belmont. Uh, he's a really nice horse for Todd Fletcher, and this is sort of Todd's M.O., bringing a horse off a little bit of a break in a race like the Travers. But, boy, this is a fantastic betting race. If those were the only three horses, it'd be a barn burner. You've got five or six others that can win. You, you can. Now, somebody that's been left out of a lot of the conversations I've had about the, tra uh, the Travers is a, a horse that I've watched in person win his last two races, and that's IRAP. If you go back and look at the horses that came out of those two races, uh, Gervin and Colonel's Doc, uh, dark Temper, and I think even a couple others that didn't hit the board, all came back and ran bang-up races, and IRAP beat them all. Eight to one. Um, is he on your radar? In my opinion, he's the most improved horse since the Kentucky Derby. If you watch IRAP before the Derby, he was always good. Beautifully bred horse, winner of the bluegrass. But when you watched him, there were some things not to like. His lead changes weren't very smooth. He sort of needed everything his own way. After the Derby, he has come out and he has run two big races. He's been way more professional. I love what Doug O'Neill's done. He took him a little bit of a drop in class. IRAP's confidence should be sky high. His last race was the best I've ever seen him look. His speed figures are not far off the top horses in this race. And if he goes off at 8 or 9 or 10 to 1, he's a, he's a horse, an under-the-radar horse that you've got to consider at a price. Yeah, and speaking of how he looks, because I have been uh, at uh, Thistledown, Indiana in person for his last two races, 
I'm telling you, Dan, this is a muscular, striking horse that is well within himself before the race and uh, just seems to have a, a push-button ability recently uh, to, to go when the rider asks him. I was surprised with the, the switch off Le Peru in the Indiana Derby since he was the only rider that had won on him. But obviously, you know, Gutierrez is the go-to guy for Doug O'Neill's barn, and he just was riding other horses when Iraq was riding those other races. But he's really striking. You mentioned his breeding, too. As I recall, he is a half to Spitestown. He's a half to Spitestown, so there's plenty of speed on the bottom. But being by Tiz now, we expect him to get a distance of ground. It's a beautiful match of the pedigree of stamina over speed. You mentioned the Indiana Derby. I mean, he won that race at the 516th pole, and he just blew by Colonel's Dark Temper. And all Colonel's Dark Temper did was come back and win the West Virginia Derby. One of his best assets is his tactical speed. He can go and place himself wherever the pace dictates he should be. Now, always dreaming could be loose in the Travers, but IREP's got that gear. He can be close. Uh, he, he's very interesting. Well, we're talking with Dan Elman uh, from the Daily Racing Forum and DRF.com. Uh, two others that just, uh, again, you know, so much of the attention, and rightfully so, goes to the Triple Crown winners. Um, your read on the Haskell and Gervin and McCracken. McCracken is an interesting horse. I think a lot of people thought he could be one of the top three-year-olds in the division from the beginning of this year. He ran well in the Haskell, but I'm still waiting for that fast race, at least on a buyer speed figure scale. He just hasn't gotten much faster in his last four or five starts. On the other hand, Gervin has always been one of the more consistent horses of the crop. Uh, the Derby's is only bad race, and if you're a member of the Derby, there were two weeks of, of all sorts of whispers that this horse had problems with his feet. Then he caught a wet track. He didn't have the best trip to boot. He stripped the derby out of his past performances, and this is a consistent, hard-trying horse that wants to beat you. And in a race like the Travers, horses like Gervin, horses like Irath, they're still going to offer value despite being in good hands and very sharp. I mean, it's, it's hard to knock a horse, horse like that. Well, you know... Uh Easily the favorite could be 7-2 to two or higher in here because you can make a case for so many. Uh, Dan, if I hand you 100 bucks and sent you to the window, what would you be doing? Well, I thought Donna Brothers made a very uh, interesting point concerning the Jim Dandy and that the pace doesn't look fast on paper from a fractional standpoint, but that it seemed to be a bit of a collapse at the end of that race, and maybe that benefited the winner, Good Samaritan. But pretty much since the beginning of this year, I've been against the big-name three-year-olds, and I've been waiting for someone to come up and sort of take this division by the horns and make it his own, and I'm hoping that it is Good Samaritan because, as you guys were mentioning, uh, he was a top horse on turf going into the Jim Dandy, Bill Mott, who's just a wizard, and he's on fire. He won the Alabama last week with a late. He, uh, he thought enough of this horse to try him in the Jim Dandy against the Derby and the Preakness winner. It was a very confident move from a normally conservative trainer. Good Samaritan rewarded him with a big late kick, and I'm hoping that he's that new face, that second division three-year-old that can, that can sort of maybe at least make some sense out of this division. It's been very confusing all year, so I'm hoping he gets a little bit, bit of pace, but I kind of think he might be the real deal. All right, Dan. Well, I gave you $100. At least you're going to play one trifecta. Who are you putting underneath? Well, that's an excellent question, John. I mean, i got to use Good Samaritan, but 
you can go so many different ways underneath in here. I think we got to use Taproot. He was good in the Belmont. I think I think this horse has always had something. In the Derby, he had a little bit of a trip. I don't really uh, I don't really hold that race against him. The Bluegrass, he had a little bit of a trip. For me, it would be Good Samaritan over Taproot, and of course West Coast. You got to respect anything Bob Baffert throws onto the track. And the Low Sal Derby might not have beaten the strongest field in the world. He must have been five paths all the way around the track. To me, he ran a mile and a quarter that day. So for me, it'd be Good Samaritan, Taproot, West Coast. Those are the big three for me, but you can go six other horses. Well, absolutely you can. I think this is one of those races you're going to have to get together with a couple of your buddies and say, hey, let's pool our money. We need to go deep because we could easily come up with a, you know, a 15, 12 to 1 shot in the second spot and get cash a decent ticket. We're talking with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Well, I know you're well versed in, in, in all the races. I'll just kind of uh, uh, go uh, go backwards a little bit to uh, the race prior to uh, the, the Travers, and that's the Sword Dancer. And, and I thought I read somewhere where uh, people are saying that Erupt is you know, the standout favorite. I thought I saw him listed at even to money. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I think he's a bet against. I mean, yeah, he came up to the Canadian International last year and, and won that in upset fashion, uh, but uh, hasn't done much this year, I think, to merit even money against these horses. And uh, I know that you watch the Bowling Green closely. Uh, could the winner be coming out of that race? Boy, I'm hoping so. I mean, that was a very disappointing loss for Sadler's Joy, but you want to talk about a pace collapse. That thing came apart the final three-sixteenths of a mile, and Sadler's Joy sort of made the first run in a race where the last run was the best. Sadler's Joy, once he made the front, he got to looking around, and I think he beat himself in that race. I like this rider switch to Julian Leperu, who rode Sadler's Joy a couple of times at Gulfstream Park to success. Uh, and in those races, Leperu had it in his mind, keep this horse covered up till the very last minute, produce him, make him kick, and time it just right, because I think he's the kind of horse who gets lazy when he makes the front and starts waiting on other horses. I think Sadler's Joy is the best kick of the horses coming out of the bowling green. The problem is there might not be a lot of pace, but I think he's better than what he showed last time out. I think he's a true mile-and-a-half horse. He's a true kicker, and I'd use him with Idaho for Aiden O'Brien and Ryan Moore, who's just been taking on top company overseas. Exactly, and it is more formful uh, than the other Euro uh, coming in. Uh, well, it, either way, you know, the the Bowling Green, I believe we've got the, you know, the, the, I know we got the top three, and we also got Frank Conversation that ran sixth in there, so that, that could be a key race. So go back there and pull down the video and take a look and see if there's anything that uh, y- you listeners uh, drew away from that race. Well, um, in the H. Allen Jerkins. Seven furlongs, a unique distance, uh, didn't have a uh, uh, – people weren't shy about entering. We got at least nine in there. Again, it is uh, race eight, and I believe the pre-race favorite – and the reason I picked this race is I love it when, when the favorite's seven to two. So even the odds maker had, had a chance. I, the first uh, se- seven horses in here uh, – are single digit to ones and so but american anthem uh, who was at san anita came in for the woody stevens mike smith's going to be up bob baffert trains um is it, t- is it does he have the target on his back or you got a sleeper in here dan elman 
Well, American Anthem uh, should get a good pace situation. There's a lot of speed in here. He's drawn outside where he probably won't have to deal with a lot of traffic. He's shipped in one in the past. It's Baffert on dirt in New York. It does very well. Of course, he won this race last year when it was known as the King's Bishop with Dre Fong. He's a horse you have to use. I think you have to use the Pletcher horse, Cole Front, who's undefeated. I'm curious to see what we get from Takaful, and that's my top pick in this race. You look at Takaful, it's a tale of two Takafuls. His two sprint races, boy, he looks like a world beater. His three two-turn races, not so good. Good news for Takaful is he's sprinting in the H. Allen Jerkins, and he's the speed nearest the rail. He's going to have to earn it if he wins because he has to deal with Cole Front. He has to deal with Phi Beta Express in the early portion of this race. And if he beats those off, he's got to then deal with American Anthem and Practical Joke, who many people believe is the horse to be cutting back to a preferred distance. But I liked what I saw from Takaful last time out sprinting, and I need a price. I need at least 5-1 to one on him if I'm going to make a win bet. But I'm, I'm very curious to see if he can carry his speed seven against better horses. Well, I saw him listed on one site. I thought it was the graded entries from the DRF where he was listed at 20 to one. So you might not have a problem getting your double digits on that one, Dan. I have a feeling he's going to take a little bit of money based on a triple digit buyer win last time out. But it's a race where, again, you've got four strong contenders in this field. Uh, somebody might get lost. Well, I think he's going to take a little hit because... Dan Elman's picking them on winning ponies <laughs> and probably I DRF. I hope, I hope not too much. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I shouldn't say that. You won't come on the show anymore. It's like, hey, man, Engelhart's killing my odds here, man. Well, let's rewind and go back to the Kettle One Ballerina. It is a grade one worth half a million dollars in here. And uh, you've got uh, uh, Karina Mia, I believe. Again, uh, it, as a tap your favorite, every horse in here is a single digit to one, except for Bird at the Wire. So you want to talk about a contentious race. You got one here, Dan Elman. Well, I'm hoping the pace makes the race. It's a very curious pace scenario. There really aren't any true burners in the field, and maybe the two Curlin's approval is going to show some speed. Take a look at that last workout. Three furlongs and 33 and change. This filly should be sitting on tilt, and her last race at Gulfstream Park, she popped a triple-digit buyer speed figure in a pace-pressing mode. Uh, she draws inside. She's obviously facing better horses. Heck, Paula Silver Linings, the, the divisional leader. She's the best filly and mare sprinter in the country coming in, but I've always had the feeling that Paula Silver Lining could be had. She hadn't been had for Chad just yet, but she's going to be a short price. Curlin's approval, I'm hoping, is aggressively ridden out of there. Maybe he can control this thing and then could hold off closers like Paula Silverlining, By the Moon, Karina Mia, Distinta. It's a really, really good field, but I would ask for a little bit of a price. And I think Curlin's approval will offer some price for trainer Happy Alter. All right, well, first start over the Saratoga Strip. Uh, Karina Mia has uh, made three starts, has a first, second, and a third. Uh, the most recent uh, coming in uh, a $100,000 stake up there. Um, I'm scratching my head. Previously trained by Bill Mott and moves to the barn of Chad Brown and comes away a winner. Um do you think that's because they want to race the horse more on the East Coast? Though Mott doesn't have any problem going over there if he wants to. I just That just kind of left me as a head-scratcher. just seems like Chad gets all of them, doesn't he, with Karina Mia. Karina Mia was a really interesting story for Bill Mott because I believe she won the acorn last year. I have my PPs in front of me. I yes, she does. Like a, she always seemed like a one-turn horse, but she was so sharp that they tried Songbird up at Saratoga. If you remember that race, Songbird was able to get to the front, and she'd really never been challenged in her career up to that point. Karina Mia made this 
bold runner from about the three-eighths pole. And Songbird just took one look to her right and couldn't believe that someone dared step to the queen. And the next thing you know, Songbird just moved right away from Karina Mia. And I always wondered after that race if maybe some of the starch got taken out of Karina Mia, if her heart got stamped on. Yes, she won last time out in a $100,000 race. It was a restricted stake, but... She hasn't looked like the same filly since that race against Songbird. She could easily win this because this is her distance. But again, in a situation like this, you want to demand a price. And I'm not certain she's back to that level of brilliance from last summer. Um, You know, Donna, who really did her homework and is still doing it in her hotel room right now, commented on how the track has kind of changed over the last 10 days. Have you noticed that? Um, I, I, I think that the track for the beginning of this meet, I, I thought inside was really, really good at times. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's changing a bit. The weather's been changing. Um, I, I'm not sure if I've noticed it as much as, as Donna, but the good thing about Donna is she, she knows way more about this stuff than I do. So I would follow any advice she gives. Uh, you're a pretty sharp guy yourself there, uh, Dan Elman. Well, <clears throat> a subject matter that just came up was the word songbird. And Songbird will be seen in the personal ensign, grade one, 700,000 up for grabs. <clears throat> I thought earlier in the meet uh, they, they, that Jerry Hollendorfer thought that maybe the Delaware handicap put, took a little bit out of her. Because for a little while there, it almost looked like she had a scare, but she came back and won. Uh, but that was a mile and a quarter race. So I think after seeing her back at Del Mar, watching her work, Hollendorfer came to the decision that uh, the, the Delmar didn't, you know, tire her. If anything, it made her tighter. And turning back to a mile and an eighth at Saratoga, where she's never been beat, why not go back and take the shot? So, you know, I originally remember them saying we're probably going to pass on the Saratoga meet. And I think it's just great to see her showing up in the personal ensign. Well, she's a true superstar of our sport. I mean, she would be undefeated if not for Beholder's last-ditch effort in the Breeders' Cup Distaff last year, denying Songbird her undefeated mark and a champion, and, uh, and who knows uh, what else. I mean, uh, an undefeated Hall of Fame career. Uh, she's very, very impressive. She's come back now twice. All she's done is win two grade one races. A lot of folks were disappointed by her performance at Delaware. I believe she was 1-20 to 20 in that race, and on paper, she was supposed to win that race by open lengths, and she was all out to win. And the folks on social media were out in full force after that race. She's not the same. She, hasn't, she wasn't very good. She's going to be on, t- uh, on tilt for this race. It's her third start of the form cycle. I believe she won the Alabama last year at Saratoga at a mile and a quarter in her third start of the form cycle. And the best news for her is she is simply the lone speed in this race. And she's probably going to be in control of things after the first half mile. Uh, the folks at home don't need me to tell them that she is way the horse to beat. You can look at it and see it on her past performances. If you wanted to take a little stab for an upset, I mean, Forever Unbridled is very, very good, and I wouldn't be surprised if she moves forward. Keep an eye on Chad Brown's Going for Broke. Going for Broke was beaten seven lengths by Songbird last year in the Alabama, and it's questionable whether she's made up that seven lengths in this time period, but I still think as a very lightly raced four-year-old, this could be her second start as a four-year-old, uh, she's got some improving to do. And she ran very well in her start back against the aforementioned Karina Mia, where she was buried down towards the inside in the late stages of that race off the layoff. Chad could have easily run this horse against Pola Silver Lining and against Karina Mia, and he could have had three with big chances in the ballerina. 
but instead he's going for broke with this one against Songbird at a mile and an eighth, and she has won over this course and distance in the past. I'm not being uh, so bold as to say she's going to take Songbird out in the Alabama, but you might want to at least consider her as a backup in multiple race wagers, and maybe she splits the big two in exactus. Well, that would certainly make your multiple race bet, no doubt about it. Well, um, I'm sure a lot of guys standing around the entry box waiting for them to draw for the Boston Spa weren't really happy when they found out that uh, at the last moment, uh, Chad decided to enter Lady Eli. Well, Chad's only got three in there, and he's got this remarkable lady, Eli, who just seems to overcome everything, whether it's any sort of physical illness or any sort of a trip. And she and Antonov, who also is trained by Chad Brown, they broke through the gate last time out. Antonov especially had trouble down towards the inside. Lady yeah. Eli and Antonov battled it out late. Uh, they, she, Chad also has Roca Rojo. Dickinson is an interesting horse. I'm not saying again that Dickinson might be sharp right now. Her last two races have not been good. There's no speed in the Boston Spa. Dickinson has got to go under Paco Lopez. She has beaten Lady Eli this year. If she can get away with an easy half-mile, six-furlong clocking, she's got a shot in this race at a price, but she's going to have to step to beat the two big chads, Lady Eli and Antonov. Well, one of my favorite things on the weekend is to go and visit DRF Live and kind of hang out with you and the other handicappers that, that are on your team. Uh, when I go on tomorrow, we're going to have a, a match show. And then what's the Saturday format going to look like? You guys got to be uh, adrenaline driven for this card. We've got all of the stakes previews at Saratoga, plus the graded race at Del Mar on Saturday, already up on the site, video.drf.com, on the Daily Racing Form YouTube channel. Tomorrow at noon on DRF Live, live.drf.com. Matt Bernier's got his live show, followed by our new handicapping preview program, Out of the Gate, 30 minutes, a good handicapping content from various contributors all across the Daily Racing Form spectrum. And, of course, DRF Live's the place to be on Saturday with up-to-the-minute updates. Okay, and let's not forget uh, Dan Elman and Nicole Russo. Uh, if you if you don't have your handy dandy pedigree book, uh, those guys will catch you up on uh, what's happening behind the uh, the pedigrees and a lot of the two year olds that go to post at Saratoga. Of course, uh, that those are just fields full of blue blood. So Spa Babies very entertaining by uh, two well educated people in the uh, area of uh, pedigrees and uh, horse sales. Well, anyhow, Dan Elman. Thanks so much, man. I love when you come on the show, and and I appreciate you taking your time on a week. I know you're already hammered. John, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Best of luck this uh, weekend. What a Travers. Absolutely. All right. That's Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. I want to give kudos to Donna Barton Brothers, who uh, took time out uh, from her, her schedule and getting ready for her NBC broadcast to be with us. And I want to thank you for listening to Winning Ponies. I want to remind you on such an amazing weekend, come to winningponies.com, pull down those easy win forms, and we hope to make you an easy winner. I want to thank our producer, Matt Widener, for keeping me in check. And But most of all, I want to thank you for being a listener. Remember, when you go to the races, wherever it is, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.